Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We have been working on memorizing some scripture verses. Scripture verses found in Philippians chapter 1. We've not looked at them the last couple of weeks because of other things. But I want to get back to them this week because we want to add the last part of verse 10 and verse 11 to our scripture memory so that we might understand what God wants to accomplish in our lives. Philippians 1, 9, and 10 are where we have been, and we're going to look at the last part of verse 9 and or last part of verse 10 and, the, and then verse 11 today. So let's, let's read these together, and then we will go directly into the last part of verse 10 and, and verse 11, all right? Here we go. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And that's Philippians 1, 9, 10, and 11. All right. So work on these verses. Pretty good goal, isn't it? Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of our God. Here we grow. How you doing? Because I was in Louisville this past week, I worked on this message a week ago. I knew that Connie Carey would require my notes. She's pretty firm about those things. So that she would be able to get them to you in time and get them printed and get them out. At that point, I had no idea what this week would bring. My introduction. What would you do with the last days of your life? If you knew that you were about ready to pass into eternity, what would your life look like? The epistle that's before us was written to Timothy by the Apostle Paul. Paul is in Rome awaiting execution. He's in the last days of his life. He's facing death. He's facing the end of his ministry. He's been abandoned by most of his friends. And he writes to encourage Timothy, to exhort him to boldness, to endurance, to faithfulness. In chapter 1, he says, Timothy, stir up the gift that was given to you. We looked at that last week as we challenged Amy Wichterman. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. That's where we are. That's where you are, Timothy. Do ministry that way. In chapter 3, he tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It is the good book, is it not? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the child of God may be mature, 
truly furnished into all good works. Chapter 4, Paul says, preach the word, Timothy. (laughs) Preach the word. Be instant in season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering. For the time's going to come. Timothy, the time's going to come when the culture is not going to accept the message. Even those who have an appearance of godliness will want to hear what makes them feel good. Itchy ears. And so, Timothy, I want to give you a message. And that message is found in our text this morning. It's a message that you are familiar with. 2 Timothy 2.15 Now that may well ring a bell with some of you. Because it's an old Awana verse, right? Awana, A-W-A-N-A, stands for approved workmen are not ashamed. Can you say that with me this morning? Approved workmen are not ashamed. That's the message that Paul wants to leave with Timothy. Timothy, I'm going away. But I want you to know, Timothy, that approved workmen are not ashamed. Say it with me, will you please? Approved workmen are not ashamed. And Timothy, I want you to focus on that. I want you to grow in your diligence. I want you to, King James, study to show yourself approved unto God. You got to work at it, Timothy. You got to know that this isn't an easy deal, Timothy. You got to understand, Timothy, that I've suffered for the cause of Christ and it has not been pretty at times. You got to know, Timothy, that it's all about stirring up what God has given to you and being faithful because the time's coming when people won't appreciate that faithfulness in your life. But, Timothy, be diligent. Because approved workmen are not ashamed. And when you get to the end of your life, this is what you want written on your tombstone. This is what you want to be known for. This is what you want God to say at the judgment. Approved workmen are not ashamed. Do your best, Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a work, worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Our daughter calls and talks to my wife almost every day. On September the 14th, Connie and I were together in the car and our daughter called she was on her way to taking the boys to school. They go to a private school, Oaklawn Christian School over in um, Oakland County. And, and she, was, she was on her way to school. And, and we chatted and we got to talk with J.C. and Jonas. There is nothing that will get your day started better than talking to the, to the grand boys when they're two hours away. And at the end of that conversation... Jill did something that was unusual for her, at least from my perspective. She talks to Connie every day, and this may be more normal with Connie, but 
from my perspective, it was unusual. She said, Dad, can we pray? <laughs> what am I going to say? No? That is correct, Teresa. That is not the answer. Sure, Jill, will you pray with us? And she prayed and asked that God would just give us a good day. I don't even remember what we were doing, Connie. Do you remember? And she said this in her prayer. She said, Lord, help the boys to do their best at school today. Why? Because approved workmen are not ashamed. I thought that was pretty good. Help our boys, our grandboys, to be diligent today. Now, the Apostle Paul starts in this chapter with helping Timothy understand what that means. And he starts by giving some illustrations illustrations of diligence. Verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now, he uses these three illustrations. Did you notice them? Verse 3, good soldier. Verse 5, athlete. Verse 6, hardworking farmer. Now, these were familiar to Timothy. There were a lot of soldiers in Timothy's day because Israel was living under Roman control. And there were soldiers all over the place. He understood what a soldier was. He understood what an athlete was because there were the athletic games. And they were very prominent. They took place in Athens and Greece. And he certainly understood agriculture. He recognized a farmer. Now he starts with a, with a soldier and he says, you need to have your priorities just like a soldier. For verse 4 says, no good soldier entangles himself in civilian pursuits. Why? Because his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. That's pretty good admonition, isn't it? He then talks about an athlete. An athlete who needs to practice. Verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You need to practice like an athlete. How true that is. In Rio, our men's 4x100 relay team was disqualified and lost out on the bronze medal because they did not pass the baton in the required space, in the designated space. You better be competing according to the rules. Then he says, Timothy, be like a hardworking farmer. A hard-working farmer has patience. You may not believe this, but when I was a kid, I had seven years of piano lessons. Now, my problem with piano was that I wanted to play right away. I loved to play. I didn't like to practice. And And I wanted to be able to play Stuff I liked. This twinkle, twinkle little star, I wasn't interested in. But I found out that I had to practice. If I wanted to partake of the first, I had to practice. Be 
diligent, like a hardworking farmer. Now, you may be sitting there this morning and thinking, yeah, I know something about soldiering, but I'm not a soldier. I know something about athletics, but I'm not currently an athlete. Golf doesn't count. I like to eat, but I'm not on a farm, most of us. So I don't get it. Well, what do you get? What teaches you? Maybe for you, Paul would say, like a mom who has to balance all of these things in her life and has this list that she cannot accomplish every day. But she has to be diligent to get it done. Maybe for you it would be like an engineer. An engineer that is not content unless he crosses all the T's and dots all the I's and makes sure that everything is spelled correctly. I live in a world where it's okay to misspell stuff. That's my world. Engineers are not so. Maybe you're a secretary. Maybe you're somebody who has to fulfill the wishes of somebody else. And so, so you have to live under that authority. And, and, and maybe it's even middle management. You have to live under that authority and get everything done that the boss wants to get done. That. That's diligence. Maybe it's a student. Knowing that there's a syllabus out there and class requirements that you must fulfill. And if you wait until the last minute, you won't get them all done. And so you have to be diligent. What illustration would Paul use in your life to teach you diligence? We all have it. Yesterday, Connie and I were kind of outlining our day. And Connie says to me, what are you going to do? I came into the office for a couple hours and got some stuff done and went over to see Theola. And when I got home, I was just, I just emotionally spent. I didn't want to, football was my day yesterday. But early in the day, I said, you know, Connie, I'd really like to clean out the car. You know how bad I wanted to clean out the car? Bad enough to not get it done. You see, diligence is not what you'd really like to do. Diligence is what you do. I'd really like to have a better devotional life. Really? I'd really like to do better in prayer. Okay. I'd really like to memorize these verses that we have up here on Sunday. Yeah. Study, be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. Why? Say it with me. A workman. Huh? Approved workmen are not ashamed. There it is. I knew I had it. Say it with me. Approved workmen are not ashamed. What illustrates that in your life, huh? We fill our lives with all kinds of stuff that we really want to do. And the things we really want to do are the things we do. Maybe you're not a soldier. Maybe you're not an athlete. Maybe you're not a farmer. Maybe you're a The things that you want to do, those are the things you do. 
we've been more concerned with making the gospel relevant to our lifestyle than we have with making our lives relevant to the gospel. What would a soldier, an athlete, a farmer, a mom, a teacher, a middle, a middle management, a student do? I was handed this devotional this morning. Pat, I didn't realize that I knew this guy, but I do. He used to pastor at, uh, over in the Detroit area, Frank Snyder. His wife was the uh, CEO of the Crisis Pregnancy Center. That didn't mean anything to you guys. But Frank wrote this. There was a comedian writer by the name of Jack Handley, no unqualified endorsement implied, who had a quirky sense of humor. Humor. He told one story about his childhood. A bully at school was demanding his lunch money every day. Being smarter than the bully, Hanley said, he simply gave up his lunch money. Then he decided to fight back. Hanley says, I started taking karate lessons, but the instructor wanted $5 a lesson. That was a lot of money. I found it was cheaper to pay the bully, so I gave up karate. <laughs> then he writes, unfortunately, many Christians have the same attitude about the spiritual battles they face. It's just easier and cheaper not to fight. Diligence. Grow in diligence. But how do we grow in diligence? What does that look like? What instructions does, does Paul give us about diligence? Verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them Hymenius and Philetus who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened, they are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure So do what? Well, there's some negative things here. And he starts out by saying, refrain from irreverent babble. 
Babel. There was a tower back in Genesis chapter 11 that was named Babel. Remember what happened? Yeah, you remember. The, the people tried to be like God, right? And what did God do? He confused their languages, yes. Refrain from irreverence. Don't confuse people about what it's like to live a Christian life. When people look at our lives, they should have a clear sense of what a follower of Jesus is all about. With our lives and from our lips. Avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Avoid it. You don't need it. Be careful how you talk. And may I just make a blanket statement? We in the 21st century have become more and more crude in our talk. I listen to my kids. And I hear them use words about body parts that were off limits in my generation. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Avoid irreverent babble. Avoid that which is unuseful. There are vessels, right? Silver and gold. Vessels of wood and clay. Some honorable, some dishonorable. What's the difference? The honorable are the ones that are clean. Know what the text says? It's not whether you're pretty and shiny. It's whether or not you're clean. It's not whether the world considers you valuable. Gold and silver stuff. Or society thinks you're not. Wood and clay. It's whether you're clean. We should be clean, right? As he who has called us is holy, so be ye what? Holy. In all manner of life where it's written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Be holy. It's easier said than done. And don't know what he says? Run from youthful lusts. Run from youthful lusts. 
lust. Now, Timothy, at this point in his life, was probably in his late 30s or 40s. Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, grow up. Grow up. Quit being childlike. Silly boy, grow up. The word passions here has the idea of not only sexual immorality, but of stubbornness, selfishness, and being self-absorbed. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm going through this stage in my life where I'm examining myself and I'm finding that I'm very selfish. I've told Connie a number of times in the last 30, 60, I, this is a selfish decision, I know it. That's a youthful lust when it's all about me. Connie and I went down to Louisville a day early. And so we had a morning to do some things that we wanted to do, and so we went to the Muhammad Ali Museum. We'd been to the Louisville Slugger Factory, been there, done that. We'd been to Churchill Downs, been there, done that. We'd not been to Muhammad Ali Museum. You walk in and you pay your money, and on the wall, there's, it, it says... A place for a selfie. Now, if you know what a selfie is, a selfie is taking your smartphone and using its camera and taking a selfie of yourself. And on the wall it said, I'm the greatest. Guess who took a selfie? (laughs) Connie went to the restroom. I took a selfie. That will not appear on Facebook. It will not be seen in the church bulletin. It's for my own use only. (laughs) Silly boy, grow up. Hmm? Now Paul says, Timothy, not only are there some negative things, there's some positive things. Some positive things in your life. So Timothy, understand... God knows who you are. I want you to notice that in the text. Verse 19. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Amen. Aren't you thankful God knows who you are? I didn't know who Frank was until I looked at it. God knows who you are. Oh, man. That ought to float your boat today. That ought to encourage your heart. God knows who you are. Amen. That's a positive thing in my life. God knows me. Woohoo! God knows who you are. And I want you to understand that good vessels are the clean vessels. We talked a little bit about that. The really good stuff's not necessarily what it's made of. The really good stuff's the clean stuff. I got up this morning, 
And while I was nuking my omelet, I emptied the dishwasher. Did you notice? I am so glad that Connie uses the dishwasher. Can you imagine if she just kind of put stuff back on the shelf after we've used it? That's what we do all the time, isn't it? Here it is, God. Take me the way I am, just as I am. I don't do so good, God, and I know it, but it's all right. The good vessels are the clean vessels. So what do we need to do? We need to go for what really counts. Flee youthful lusts, but do what? Pursue, follow, with diligence, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And we don't have time to go into all that this morning. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So why? So that we can say it with me next slide. Approved workmen are not ashamed. Amen? Very quickly, what's our incentive? Back to verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Somebody asked me this morning, well, what will people think? I said to that person, I don't care. I want to know what God thinks. Amen? Now the reality is, and John was in the classroom while I was saying this, I do care what people think, but I shouldn't. Well, maybe I should, but only after I care what God thinks. Right? Approved to God, not ashamed. Will you say it with me? Approved workmen are not ashamed. Amen? And so how do we do that? We rightly divide the word of truth. We rightly handling, handle the good book. Rightly dividing has the idea of cutting it straight. Straight shooters. The Bible said it. That's what it means. Rightly handling the word of truth. That's what it's all about, folks. What would you do with the last days of your life? <laughs> wow. If you knew that you were about ready to pass into eternity, what advice would you give? Pretty good advice, isn't it? Timothy, approved workmen are not ashamed. Be diligent. Grow in your diligence. Why? Because one day, all of us are going to have to stand before God to give an account. Let me tell you something. That's a serious deal. That's a serious deal. Job. Struggled in his life. 
He struggled in ways that I can't even imagine. And his testimony is found in Job 23. Where Job says, One day when God tests me, I shall come forth as gold. My biggest fear? Now. I do not believe that I can lose my salvation. My salvation is not based upon what I do. It's based on who Christ is. Christ died for my sins according to Scripture. It was finished. It was completed. Okay? My biggest fear, though, is to stand before God and get tested and look like a phony. Here I thought I was gold. I'm the greatest. <laughs> nah, you were, you, were just, you were just acting. You were just a, you were a hypocrite. Not much different than the scribes and Pharisees. You big phony. That's my biggest fear. I don't know what yours is. That's mine. And my prayer is that I will be, say it with me, approved workmen are not ashamed. Father, take your word. Use it in our lives. Challenge us, change us. Conform us to the character of Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.